as we enter our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we say thank you for free will, for choice and decisiveness. And we apologize for choosing man's way and walking through the broad gate of death. Forgive us. We pray for mercy as we create and build trust with you and others as we walk through the narrow gate with Christ and one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may have a seat. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness, there's only a few here today, but that's, uh, that's good. That goes right with my message. And so it is good to see you, good to be with you as always. Uh, and, and I'm looking around, uh, but just in case if somebody's out there, uh, you know, either on our Facebook page or our YouTube, let me say, uh, let me begin by introducing myself uh, to our guests and those folks out there. My name is Drake, senior pastor here at Elevating Life Church, and welcome to you uh, as well. Welcome to everybody here, family, friends, uh, neighbors. If you brought your dogs, welcome uh, to them too. Welcome to everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And again, it is extremely good to be with you. By the way, hi, Jim. Hey, Judy. It's good to see you guys. Hey, they're back in for the summer. It's good to see you guys. Uh, and it's uh, and good night. It's been a while, but um, we talked a little bit and they're doing well. And uh, it's always good to hear that people are doing well. Is it well with your soul, by the way? It is. Okay. I heard you earlier. You said it. I thought the room was full, to be honest. I had to look back. I'm like, wow, that, that was a good, it is well with my soul. And I truly hope that is uh, your reality. All right. Let's not hesitate and jump right into the message this morning. Now, as Carrie said, I'm excited about this message, and I hope you are as well. Now, we are currently in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, which again is part of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, where we're at is we're going to be leaving the Sermon on the Mountain next week. Uh, John will be preaching on, uh, uh, on the false prophets and, and how Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mountain. But we're, we're here today, one command or instruction before actually going out and actually practicing the Sermon on the Mountain. And that's what Jesus is doing in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're learning his model, how to develop a, a kingdom heart. And then, of course, in Matthew chapter 6, what is he, what is he doing? He, we have to get out of, not, we got to get out of our, let's say, our own little sanctuaries at our home, our personal relationship, and we got to live life with others and other Christians and, and make that work. That's what Matthew chapter 6 is all about. But then we get to Matthew chapter 7, where we're wrapping things up today. Uh, and that's all about communication with, with God and also with others. Matthew 5. Matthew 6, and it's all about communication. And the way we communicate communication in uh, our language, it's known as prayer. And so you can read Matthew chapter 7, and that's what Jesus is doing, is actually teaching us how to communicate with God and one another, which is uh, uh, known as prayer. We're not going to look at that specifically today. We're going to be looking at something that is incredibly important for the Christian. And if we miss this, and unfortunately, most Christians never actually travel 
uh, or get through the gate to travel the narrow path. And we're going to see why today. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus urges us to choose and trust him, the door, and then go through the gate of discipline. I need to pause here because I've heard people preach Matthew chapter 7, the gate as the door. No, understand where he's at. He's on the mountain. He's preaching to disciples. They are converted Christians. And we, they've gone through the door of Jesus for conversion. It's called being a Christian or justification. But what Jesus is going to do here is radically important because he wants you to go through another gate. Okay, a very narrow gate, and, and very few find it as we're going to see today. And that gate is known as, in salvation, the gate, uh, gate of sanctification. Anybody ever heard that term, sanctification? We have justification in salvation. Hey, you're born again. you got a proper perspective, good mindset. But now you've got to walk through the, the gate to get into the, sanct, uh, the sanctuary or into the sanctuary. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Sanctification process, thank you. Had to get speaking tongues in there. I had to have an interpreter. Uh, and so, because that just simply means that you're going to grow and you're going to develop and you're going to become more and more like Jesus in your heart and in your reality and your relationships until we get to the end of time, and we'll never stop that in time, where we then go through uh, the, the golden gates into eternity. Okay? And that's known as glorification. So I'm sure you've all heard that. Salvation is justification, converted. Sanctification, growth. And then glorification, we get to experience that in, in the purity of what life is all about. And so this is why Jesus urges us to choose and trust him, the door, and then go through the gate of discipline, uh, we can say focus and persistence. That's just the three sides of practice. Yes, we've got to love, but at the same time, we've got to practice it. And most people never get through that gate of properly practicing their faith. They believe in it, but they never truly put actions or practices in place which then collapses actually their whole reality in the sense of being true disciples of Jesus. Remember the formula of faith, belief, love, plus action, practice equals faith. Does that make sense? So important. And I'm being almost radical with this because if you miss this and you don't get into the proper practice, you will just continue to live in a, in a greasy rag type of situation where you're trying to clean things up with a greasy rag and it just doesn't work in your relationships, in your different roles, be it personal or professional, and you just go around and around in circles. And you might say, oh my goodness, I'm a Christian. Why is this happening to me? You haven't gone through the narrow gate, I promise. And then we have to find some people we can trust with God, Yes. And again, this is where we're going today. Are you, are you sensing the seriousness today? And again, I wish this whole room was full, but that's okay. Because only a few find it. And so let's kind of look at that. We're going we're gonna to be going in different directions. So let me say this before we jump into the Scripture. We must choose this gate. And the gate is Jesus' way of discipline. And hear this this morning. And earning the Father's trust, we got to earn the Father's trust rather than, than demand it. 
that we've got to earn the Father's trust rather than demand it to mature and grow in this sanctification process in His love. Does that make sense? So today, the message is titled, Religious People Demand Trust. Spiritual people earn trust. So read with me our opening verses to understand why we must earn trust. Here we go. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Very familiar command and verses. Jesus says this. He's in the Sermon on the Mountain. Enter through the narrow gate, as Carrie demonstrated this morning. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Another word we can use here that leads to chaos, that uh, leads to a very distracted life. We can use so many different words here. But that leads to destruction. And let me say this, many enter through it. That's the broad gate. Again, remember his audience. He's speaking to Christians. And then he says, but small is the gate and narrow the road, that pathway that leads to life. And please, please hear this. and Take it home because there's only a few of us and he's speaking to us. And only a few, remember in the context of Christianity, only a few find it. That's Matthew 7, 13 through 14. That begins our message again that I've titled Religious People Demand Trust, Spiritual People Earn Trust in the context of sanctification. Here's our question for the day. And it's, it's a good one. How do you know and sense, how do you know and sense if you're traveling on the right or wrong road in life? Don't answer that in your head. Let me answer it first. Here's the question again. How do you know and sense if you're traveling on the right or wrong road in life? It's simple. If you live on the wide road of being comfortable, we pause here. If that's your goal, that's your end result, what you're after. Or we can say this, uh, you, you live on the road, wide road of being comfortable, let's say, in, in your beliefs, no matter what that is. Or you live on this wide road um, in your morals and ethics. You kind of, you know, you kind of follow the culture, you kind of follow your family, you kind of, with morals and ethics. And you, you never really land into the true morals and ethics of God. You just go back and forth. Or perhaps you're on the road, wide road, uh, where uh, you're defensive, okay, in, in your divine and spiritual matters. I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to people, let me turn the mirror around in a little talk and, and say, well, maybe, you know, I don't, I think you need to work on your heart a little bit because uh, all of the evidence and the fruit is telling me otherwise that your heart's not, and they become defensive. Don't tell me I'm not a Christian. Whoa, whoa, I'm, I'm a pastor. Kind of understand a little bit. You know, I'm just trying to help you out because I want the very best for you. But they get defensive and they start swinging. God bless them. And, and then we're going to manage that well. But you know what I'm talking about, yes? There's a lot of people on that road in our day and age. So you're defensive in your divine and spiritual 
matters. And you're, let me say this, what I just mentioned. If that's you in any of those areas, you're headed down the path of destruction. Let me say that with all my love, with all my heart. It's your end lot. Destruction. It's guaranteed. However, on the other road, the narrow path, with Christ in our heart as we're examining in Matthew chapter 5, where we truly have proper perspective and mindset, and we're uh, dealing with some of our major issues like anger and addictions and all those A words I use and attacking people and all of that. Uh, if, if you're uh, leaning that way and you have Jesus in your heart and that's developing and you're earning trust in the faith, not only with God, with others, um, uh, that's in your heart and, and, and it's developing your body, mind, and soul with focused living and being, uh, let's say, persistent in grace and truth, not just one or the other, uh, this is what leads a person straight to, the, to glory. And let me say it as Jesus did in our opening verse, verses. Only a few find it. Now let me say this about the, the narrow gate and path. Let me just be brutally honest this morning. Yes, you will find the entrance to the narrow path. I have somewhat difficult, but I'm changing my language. It's difficult. <laughs> I was just being too nice, I think, John. It is. It's difficult. And it's exceedingly narrow. For it, understand this, and this command's coming up by, from Jesus, for it demands self-denial, sacrifice big sacrifice, and calls for, can I put it this way? I'm thinking of John Wayne now. The grit of obedience and alertness, rather than living in inattention. Alertness. We're paying attention. We're paying attention. Yes, it's difficult, but we're alert to ourselves and others in the bigger picture of reality when it comes to how God designed it to be. Yes, yes, it's difficult in everything I share. Nevertheless, Jesus says, enter it. Enter it. Why does he say this? He says it because he knows what happens in the long run and, and what the end is. The end brings either disappointment, agony, and failure. And pause there. Yes, I'm speaking for all eternity, but I'm also talking about relationships because we've all been in relationships that have ended in disappointment and agony. This is, I'm talking about all of that reality in our lives, our different roles. It either brings disappointment, agony, and failure, which is known as the apocalypse of the world that many Christians are focused on, or it brings satisfaction, happiness, and success. We will say the, uh, the apocalypse of Jesus. You know, when you read the book of Revelation, no, there's two apocalypse there. One's the apocalypse of the world. The other is the apocalypse of Jesus. And the one that's the apocalypse of Jesus, we're focused on that. And the end times comes with the, uh, what comes is the disappointment, agony, and failure is no longer part of our reality. 
Is the apocalypse of Jesus happening in your reality? Or is it the apocalypse of the world? That world, you know, we watch the news and that's how we gather our information and our heart grows in that. We're after the apocalypse of Jesus. The true end times of hell. Who's with me? First and foremost in your personal life, collectively, and then in the bigger picture of what this is. So important. Now, it's one or the other, and I recommend choosing Jesus. Why? Well, all is well. That what? Ends well. Do you think Jesus knows the end? Even in our relationships and everything? Hey, it's going to be tough up front, but then again, all is well. That ends well. So let's see how to create and build trust where all is well, that ends well. Can we do that? Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Oh, that was a good amen. Thank you. Well, yeah, that's a louder amen when you get when this place is full. I appreciate that. By the way, if you're wondering what's in my mug, uh, it's in my mug. No. <laughs> you, guys know, you guys know what's in here? Diet Pepsi. It tickles my nose when I talk. That's why I like it. <laughs> that's the only reason I drink it. <laughs> Voice coach over here. It doesn't work that way. It does for me. <laughs> We're all wonderfully weird. Anyway, okay. Now, okay, let's, let's get back on track. Sorry. Oh, by the way, no, not yet. Let's not get on tra- track yet. You notice I, I don't have boots on today? Anybody notice that? Hey, you guys, this is, I've been preaching since 1988. And I've always preached in boots. But I've kind of assessed some things. I think that might be the reason why my back kills me when I'm preaching up here. So I've decided to take a risk, be vulnerable, and I'm in my, my, my what are these? I don't even know what these are called. Tennis shoes? I don't know. Like them? See? There you go. The, the only ch- challenge without my boots, sorry for the sideline, but hey, you know, elevating my church. I'm about one inch shorter, and y'all look smaller to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I should go preach up here. Anyway, back to our message. Uh, by the way, that's a good lesson. Take risk. Get out of your comfort zone. Anyway, now for those who walk through uh, the gate of discipline, uh, our focus, and we know who we are, you've done it, uh, and are persistent, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and let's say they, these, these folks stay on life's true pathway. There's people, there's people doing it. Uh, and get to the, now get to the, they know they're getting to the entrance of eternity, let's say. These people I'm talking about that come through the, the narrow gate, let me say this. They understand this. It takes trust. And again, trust is always earned, never demanded. Now let me pause here because what I need, I say pause because it's in my note, you don't know this, but let me pause from my notes for a second. I say that, that's what I'm doing. Um, forgiveness is free. Okay, absolutely free. God's love is free. We need to understand that. And understand, you know, there's nothing you, that's what you receive the forgiveness of God, and that's what gets you through the door of Jesus. Conversion or justification. But now we're going to kind of turn things around. We've got to reconcile. God is taken care of at this point of Jesus speaking to to. Uh, to his disciples, God the Father. But now, Jesus is like, I'm here on earth. 
Now you got to practice it the way I, the reason I'm here, I'm a human being to show you how it's done and you must do it Jesus' style, objectively. You cannot eat from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil first and think you're going to figure it out. We have to eat from the tree of life, Jesus, and we have to follow him and get through that gate so then we can enter into the maturing process, maturing, excuse me, process, and, and develop and grow in who we need to be, not just in church, but in the integrity of life. Are you with me? So, so important. Um, and folks that, that, that get it, know that you, you, it's earned. It's just not going to happen. So now what do I mean? Well, I'm going to make this extremely easy or simple in the sense of what trust is. Uh, let's, let's look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I wish I had the time to just read all of Proverbs 3. But let me just give you a taste of what it is and go back and read it. I would encourage you because this is what trust is all about. And so, of course, we know this scripture in Proverbs. King Solomon says, trust in the Lord. Is Lord all capitalized here? Absolutely. That's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the integrity. One times one times one equals one. You're with me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's with all your thoughts, with all of your emotions, and with all of your choices. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And lean not onto your own... What's the next word? Hey, let me put a different word maybe that's probably a little bit more meaningful uh, in our day and age, because it's been a couple thousand years... Well, this has been four or five thousand years since this was written. Do not lean onto your own fantasy. Who's with me? There's too many people living in fantasy. Or uh, lean not on your own interpretation. That's what Eve did when she took from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. She liked it because some idiot came along, an influencer. We'll call this one person the four friends of Job. Y'all have friends like that? And we fall into their influence. And this is what I like. I like ice cream. I'm going to eat only that. Mm -hmm. Tell me how that works. <laughs> no, we've got to eat uh, from the tree of life. And so we cannot lean onto our own understanding. In all of your ways. Is Jesus the way, truth, and life? Yes. You might be going somewhere here. Submit. Submit. You guys submitting to your parents? Pretty much the best you can. Oh, you didn't know I was going to pick on you. Huh? He's like, oh, he's here right in front of us. <laughs> hey, listen, when they said that at my wedding, I froze up. You got to submit to her. I'm like, ah, submit. It's like a cuss word, isn't it? Submit. <laughs> in all of your ways, submit to him. That's the Lord. And he will make your what? Path chaotic. Oh, straight. And again, you go, you read Proverbs 3, it's radical in what trust is. It's going through the narrow gate of Jesus and building or earning trust in God's love that develops and grows a kingdom heart in us and makes our path straight in God's kingdom now and for always. Are you with me? Now, when the teaching of Jesus enter through the narrow gate, 
what, what we experience in our core verses this morning. When, when the teaching of Jesus entered through the narrow gate is honored, please hear this this morning, the character trait, we're all developing the character of Jesus, the character trait or habit of Jesus formed is decisiveness. Did you hear that? we got to get decisiveness into our makeup. As Jesus taught it, and we, we catch it through Him and other faithful, obedient people. That's why we, we need to go through the, the gate, but we've got to develop decisiveness. Again, that only happens when you trust the Lord, not by demanding it, but by, by earning it. That's what developing character is all about. Learn the principles of God and then understand what habits it's going to form in who you are. And you've got to earn it. It's not evolution where it just goes, there you go, you're a decisive person. No, you are now in the sanctification process. You've got to earn it. And that makes sense because think about it. If you're going to inherit a billion dollars, you have to be ready for it. And you've got to develop and you've got to earn uh, in, in the wisdom of all this, you've got to earn it, and you're going to do this. You're not going to release that to a two-year-old that doesn't, doesn't know what's happening. You've got to grow and earn it and develop it, rather than just what our world and what many of our churches do. It's just, well, we'll just throw truth out there, and you can have everything through grace. It doesn't work. It's truth and grace coming together, and truth and grace dwelt among us. His name, anybody know? Oh, Jesus. And we are to be like Jesus. Making sense? So again, this only happens when you trust the Lord, not by demanding it, but by earning it. Why? Trust is earned and never demanded. Earn, again, let me, I can't emphasize this enough, means being disciplined. So this is another word that's been <clears throat> misinterpreted. When you think of discipline, right, you're like, uh-oh, I'm getting a spanking, right? I'm not paying attention, so I'm going to get a spanking. <laughs> no, that's not what that means. Discipline means I have a model, Matthew chapter 5, and just like you would go in college, you follow a discipline. You get that model, get the syllabus of Jesus, if you will, and follow it. That's discipline. Not in the way that you know your cheaters and all that would do, but in a way that's going to be honoring to God and each other. And so that's what I mean by discipline, not punishment. But you do have to discipline yourself. I got my Marine right here next to me. He knows what I mean by And so discipline, it's, it's required. Uh, and you have to have focus. You have to have focus or concentration is another way. Uh, you know, the ADD in our spiritual reality is crazy. ADHD is out of control because we stop teaching children in the ways of Christ. We think medication and all that, hey, we need it, I get it, but at the same time, the resolve is always Jesus who's with me. And so it means discipline, focus, and persistent living, keeping a step with the Holy Spirit, uh, and getting those traits, all of the traits now, but we're talking about one, but getting the traits of Jesus into your heart. Uh, the heart being, again, your thought process, your emotional makeup, and your choices. Did I say this? Decisiveness is about your choices towards that target of being or your goal, being like Jesus. Decisiveness. <clears throat> so with that, 
Let's talk about decisiveness just for a few more minutes here. Um, as Christ, uh, of the decisiveness of Christ and how to earn it with the Lord. Let's talk about decisiveness. Are you with me still? You guys with me? Are you awake? You awake over here? I hope so. Okay. It's hard to fall asleep with this. I know it's hot. I'm, I'm hot. But hey, discipline. Stay awake. Let me say this. As believers of Christ, choosing the narrow gate and path and making firm decisions is essential for our satisfaction, happiness, and success. Listen, teenagers, you might want to listen here. There's too many people on the other side of that coin. So let me say that again. Um, Choosing the narrow gate and path and making firm decisions is essential for satisfaction, happiness, and success in the long run. What did I say early? All is what? All is well that ends well. And yes, it might be difficult with school and doing all that stuff, but I guarantee it, Jesus knows better. We've got to follow that direction. So, And that's what Matthew chapter 7, 13, and 14 is all about, being decisive, right? Making the choice to go through that narrow gate. Now, decisiveness is a valuable trait that leads to a great life. It's a promise. And it's evident when someone can confidently uh, make tough decisions without hesitation towards that good life with God and others. And let me say this, undoubtedly, Jesus was a decisive leader. And we are to be like Jesus And we must follow in his footsteps to make good and tough decisions that strengthens our hearts and hits the target or goal of good living. Now, notice what I say, a goal. That means you have to have a goal first. There's too many Christians I would sit down with and say, share your your goal, personal goals and your wellness. They want to say, wait, and all this. No, I'm talking about your spiritual, uh, your, your, your... Physical reality, what is your ultimate goal? And each and every one of us should say to be like Jesus. And we need to write that down. I am to be like Jesus and to develop the heart of Jesus, as we see in Matthew 5, and also to live with others so that we can live together as we develop God's kingdom in the here and now. So that then we can hit the target. How can you hit a target if you don't have a target? Who's with me? There's too many people. I I was sharing in the Sunday cool hour. It's kind of like this. They live their life like this. I was in the military for 21 years. Who's with me? My military guys. You're going to relate here. But you'd go out on the firing range one, two, three, four times a year, if not more. But this is how most people, if you're on the firing range of life, think about this is how most Christians live. They go out there, a little cockiness. You remember those guys, right? Ron? They go out there, and there's, let's say there is a target, but it's not their target because somebody else set it up for them. Military, you're with me. But they get out there, and you're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. They get out there. <laughs> ready, 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 ready. You guys know what I mean by that. Re- aim, aim, ready, ready. Pull the trigger, would you? Fire. You knew that was coming. <laughs> That's how people live. Ready, 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 ready. Aim, 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 aim. Fire. Does that work? Anybody that's on the... No. The process is ready, aim, 
fire. And yes, maybe there's a target out there that somebody else, your parents, or maybe somebody else, but that's, that's being uh, youthful in the faith. What you've got to do is you have to put your own target out there. Get to church. Get to people you can trust. Make decisions. Be decisive. And then get into the classroom, like a church or Sunday cool or somewhere, and get the theory, but then get out there. And yes, you're going to practice. And yeah, you're going to be, but you're going to get better and better as you practice. And are you going to hit the target the first time? Oh, I remember the first day. I'd never shot a gun. I'm from San Diego. So I uh, shot a couple of those, you know, arrows under the water, whatever that's called. <laughs> never a gun, so I got out there. I didn't hit the target. So you know what I did? I, I, I stomped away and said, I suck, and I quit the military because I'm just a failure. No, I didn't do that. Now in my history, I have, I'm an expert in four different weapons. If you're curious for my M16, M60, don't know what that is, watch Rambo. Yeah, I want to become an expert. That was my picture. That's not how you do it. But a uh, pistol and a shotgun. And if I wear my uniform, I'm all, these medals, I did something. But you, are you with me? Now, let me say this. Let me close out this analogy. This is how most people live their life now. They're not even going to join the military because that's discipline. I was saying join the military, but, but what they do is they're going to go out on the firing range, and what's going to happen is um, they're just going to take their gun. There's no target or anything, and then they... They just shoot out there, boom, 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 boom. No ready aim fire, just boom, boom, boom. And they go like this, I'm pretty awesome. And you know what they do? They do this. Ooh, I hit a target right here. And they draw a target around and go, look, I reached my goals. No, you didn't. But, boy, I see a lot of people talking that way. You talk to friends like that, and you're like, you don't have a target. Here's my point. You need to get a target. And Jesus must be that target in the human experience if you expect to be successful and fulfilled and happy. Does that make sense? Again, I wish more people were here to hear that because what's going to happen is you're going to realize that and you're going to like, don't, don't point your finger, by the way. It's easy to do. But like, yeah, you need a goal. You might want to get to that wonderfully weird goal workshop that Pastor Drake is going to teach on June 10th at the center so that you can learn how to create goals, set goals, and really work at it. By the way, there's going to be a workshop on June 10th called Wonderfully Weird Goals. And, and, and it's, it's the best content. I'm not saying that because it's mine. We've qualified it. We've requalified it. It's the best out there. And I encourage you to sign up for that class uh, if you don't have goals or you're trying to figure out, I'm talking about well-written-out goals. Come. And if you do, I promise you this. If you're engaged, uh, you're with me, you're going to walk away uh, with a goal. It's going to be very practical in the workshop. And you'll have a goal, be it a personal goal or perhaps a physical, whatever. I'm going to teach you how to actually uh, create and set goals in your life. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so anyway, that was a small uh, commercial. Where was I? Oh, yeah, I'm running out of time. Okay, now, again, let me say this. In the Bible, Jesus is often depicted as a decisive leader who, who could take action and move forward in that direction. And, of course, that's, that's glory. Now, for example, let me say this. 
Uh, when Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the scribes and all that, religious people who demand stuff rather than earn it, Jesus did not hesitate to speak out against their hypocrisy and or their traditionalism. That traditionalism means uh, in their tradition, in their comfort zone. Let me say this. If you don't have a goal, you're living in your comfort zone. That's what goals are for, to get you out of your comfort zone. And too many Christians are like, that's my goal. You're wrong. I promise you. And if you go back and forth, let me say what Jesus did in here. You hypocrite. Ooh. And traditionalism, tradition, routine. Nothing wrong with that. We've got we to gotta get familiar with some things. That's where the word family, but that can't be all of our reality. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. And if we can do that as one times, one times, one, our whole membership, imagine what we can do as one as a church to reach this community, excuse me, for, for Christ. We've got too many people going one plus one plus one. We've got to come together on this if we're going to truly make a difference in our day and age. We have to. And so that's what we're going to be really hitting on in the next couple of weeks. I would encourage you to um, read, again, Proverbs, but let me give you another chapter. It's Matthew 23. Anybody familiar with Matthew 23? It's where Jesus is speaking to the religious people, and he gives seven different woes. He says, woe to you, religious people, seven times in Matthew chapter 23. Read it. Go home and read it. Not now. Read it now. But go home and read it. Let me give you just one example here. Uh, Matthew 23, there it is, 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He's speaking to the children of God, Israel at the time, but he can, we, we're speaking to Christians today that fall into the same category. He says what? You what? Call me a hypocrite. He says you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven and people's Faces. Whoo, man, you can park it here for a while, but I won't. You, these religious people, yourself, don't even enter into it, nor will you let those enter who are trying to do so. Wow. And that's happening in the Christian faith. There's very few churches and ministries that are truly understanding what it means to go through that narrow gate. As disciples of Christ, we must do the same if we expect our souls to experience health and wholeness. You've got to call out those people that are asleep. You've got to call them hypocrites. And I know people are uncomfortable when I do that sometimes. I'm doing it out of fun, but sometimes you've got to be like Jesus. Because we either wake up or go somewhere else. Because we're serious here. When someone lacks uh, decisiveness, let's really quickly, let me give you a couple of signs and turn the mirror on yourself here. When we, someone lacks decisiveness in their makeup, they struggle to make um, decisions uh, or take action in a timely manner. Another sign if somebody lacks decisiveness is this. They may be prone to procrastination, ready, 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 or pre-crastination with this. Ready, boom, whoa, whoa. Pre-crastination is the opposite of pro, uh, procrastination. Uh, another sign, indecisiveness. Not making choices and or overthinking it. Right? Oh, ready, ready. You're thinking about ready, ready, ready. Aim, 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 ready, ready. Well, you're overthinking it, man. <laughs> you've practiced and you've done anything. Yesterday I was at a track meet with my, 
Um, my granddaughter, yes, I have to mention Lily Pad every week. Um, but I was at a track meet yesterday, and she's doing the long jump, and she did her first long jump, and you can tell she's overthinking it, and she's kind of choppy and running, and, 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 and then she makes her jump, and she comes back. I'm like, come here, Papa's going to coach you. What are you thinking about? You're overthinking it, Lily. You've done the practice. You've done a, enjoy it. And I shared something like this. I said, well, think of not seeing me for a year, and I'm on the other side of the long pit there, and just run as fast as you can as they taught you. And then right when you hit your foot where you need it, just say, uh, you know, in your mind, I believe I can fly. Helping her out because she was overthinking it. Too many of us overthink it. Okay, let me say this. Those that want to publicly speak, you're overthinking it. That's a commercial for some people in this room. They're laughing, you know. <laughs> right, John? Okay, so uh, there's some signs. Um, well, let me share one additionally. A lack of decisiveness can impact, uh, let me say, family dynamics, group dynamic, and team dynamics. I have people coming to me all the time. What's kind of, what, what, there's a lot of tension and fear. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the command that is needed in our church as one times, one times, one. Until we, we can figure this out. One times, one times, one. We're going to just be in that greasy rag. We're going to be in the desert for 40 years rather than 40 days as Jesus taught. And so there you go, uh, some signs. Now, to integrate decisiveness, let me go through this and then I'm done. Uh, to integrate decisiveness into your character is, is a lot simpler than most think. There are several things you can do to improve it, okay, to make uh, uh, decisions, uh, give you the ability to make decisions confidently and in a timely manner. Number one, first, Create goals and set goals, and then take small steps towards it. Again, come to the workshop. I promise you won't regret it. Number two, second, um, overcome your fears. You know, there's, there's things that you want to do, but we often too easily say, well, I'm stupid, I can't do that. Whatever the voices in the head are telling you, your past or whatever. Hey, listen, um, overcome your fears. And that's really leaning and being focused in the fear of the Lord rather than the fear of man. And the last thing, seek guidance from trusted people, uh, like mentors. Have a true mentor, not in fantasy. Uh, find experts that really want this for you. And can I say this? Maybe you can find a pastor that cares enough for you to get you to where we need to be, not only me, but together. Because I believe in our people. Now, doing these few things daily can increase decisiveness dramatically and improve your life toward goodness indefinitely. So wrapping things up, seriously, that was the second time I said it. Understand, understand this. Welcoming decisiveness in who you are as a disciple of Christ is a choice. Okay, hear that. It's a choice, a personal choice. And I encourage you to be decisive in the choice of getting this trait in all of the traits, the heart of Jesus and kingdom living, into your soul. It is well with my soul. Stop your fighting, running away, and freezing up. A lot of people freeze up and stop it. Stop those habits and wholeheartedly welcome the powerful Christ-like trait within your reality. Do so to show where your obedience, it's not in culture or anything, my obedience, 
Do so to show where your obedience and priorities reside. And I hope that is in kingdom living with a kingdom heart. So today, be decisive and make the decision again to be like the one you call your Lord and Savior, to stop fake discipleship as as seen by wolves in sheep clothing that John's going to talk about next week, which is only they're only concerned with their outward appearance. And, and, and when you sit down with them, you don't have a kingdom heart. Oh, don't tell you. You're a false prophet. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, they only care for those outward things and, and not taking care of their own heart. Let me ask, are you a false prophet or a wolf in sheep's clothing? Choose to earn in the trust of the Lord and stop demanding it. Again, do so by going through the narrow gate of discipline and, and, and focus, get that focus and be persistent. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit and practice and practice and practice towards Jesus where your inward realities are never worrying, that's not how you're going to be made, or overwhelming, where life, uh, you get to live in a whole different reality where life is good always when you do this, when you make that choice. That's some of the time, but all of the time, because you chose the narrow gate that develops the trait of Jesus known as decisiveness. Ending where we began, folks, Matthew 7, 13, Uh, And 14 says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that, uh, that leads to life, and only a few find it. Church, the message, religious people demand trust, excuse me, spiritual people earn trust. Amen? Amen.